tell Senator Manchin, West Virginians depend on you to be the voice of reason in Washington. <laughs> Paid for by Americans for Prosperity. Yes! Americans for Prosperity wants Joe Manchin to be the voice of reason. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I see what you did there, Des. Use their own words against I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. We gotta do something, man. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Getting kind of desperate here. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Uh, also, uh, uh, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. I'll tell you why I got thrown off in a second, Desi Doyen. <laughs> You're going to like it. Uh, up in uh, Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, in Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, uh, ra- Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, which, Desi Doyen, as I was reading the uh, introduction there, uh, just got a whole lot more thrilling. At least I think you (laughs) might agree the reason why I was thrown off is because my iPhone just started going off like crazy, starting with AP, breaking news. The sponsor of the Keystone XL crude oil pipeline says it's pulling the plug on the contentious project. Nice. Glad to hear it. CNN says the company behind the Keystone XL pipeline announced it is canceling the controversial project, which has been in the works for more than a decade. And the Washington Post seems to confirm the company behind Keystone XL pulls the plug on the long controversial project that just came in. So uh, no doubt more on that in our uh, next Green News report, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, just I'll, I'll guess. probably find some place to fit that in. But there you go, starting off with some good news. Yes. At least the rest of the show I cannot speak for <laughs> because I am, yes, I know I am obsessed with what to do about Joe Manchin as he continues to threaten the entire progressive agenda of Joe Biden and the Democrats. Well, and it's not just the entire progressive agenda of Biden and the Democrats, but also if he succeeds in holding up action on climate change, he kind of affects the whole world. And if he uh, continues to succeed in holding up uh, action on democracy reform, he kind of... Yeah. uh, We we lose democracy entirely as we know it in this country. So, yes... 
There are good reasons to be obsessed uh, and to figure out how the hell to solve a problem like Joe Manchin. For that, we will today try again. We'll turn to one of our oldest friends in Manchin's home state, the great Robin Kincaid of the Head on Radio Network, in a little bit to see if there's anything we can learn to try somehow to help move the needle on what is likely to be frankly, an historically disastrous term in office for Joe Biden and Democratic majorities in the House and Senate, not to mention for the planet itself, not to mention for democracy. Yeah, kind of important, unless something can be done about Manchin. Uh, Anyway, much more on that shortly uh, after some quick, only slightly more encouraging news items for the moment. The uh, Washington Post broke the news late today that President Biden will announce Thursday at the G7 meeting in Britain this week his plan to purchase 500 million doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine to donate to other countries struggling with a limited supply. That, according to three people familiar with the president's plans, the doses will be distributed through COVAX. That's the humanitarian program run in part by the World Health Organization. Their goal is to make 2 billion doses available to countries in need by the end of 2021. So Biden's commitment here would be a full one quarter of that number, uh, though I, I believe the plan is to spread it over this year and next. So far, approximately 81 million vaccines have been shipped to over 129 participant countries as infections and hospitalization rates continue to soar around much of the world, even as the numbers continue falling, thankfully, at least in the U.S., at least for now. Biden, who has prioritized vaccinating people in the U.S. before offering doses to other countries, is facing increased pressure to do more to help those other countries as concerns rise that China's and Russia's strategy of selling or donating their vaccines to other nations allows them to expand their influence throughout the world. The administration had previously announced it would ship 80 million shots abroad by the end of June. That number is now up to 500 million by the end of the year and then into next. The first shipment of those 80 million shots will be going out in the coming weeks. Meanwhile, back here at home, The Delta variant, which was first uh, detected in India, now accounts for more than 6% of all COVID infections in the U.S., according to the CDC. And this highly transmissible variant may be responsible for more than 18% of cases in some Western U.S. states. Oh, wow. So, yeah, see, I told you it was only slightly more encouraging, this new segment. The uh, variant is spreading rapidly in the UK. It's quickly become the dominant strain there, responsible for more than 60% of infections and causing surges in some parts of England. Dr. Anthony Fauci warned while speaking at a White House COVID-19 briefing that we cannot let that happen in the U.S. The Delta variant, he said, may be associated with more severe disease and a higher risk of hospitalization. Now, the encouraging part of this news is that the vaccines that we are using in this country look like they can protect against the Delta variant. A new study from Public Health England shows two doses of the Pfizer vaccine were 88 percent effective against symptomatic disease from the Delta variant 
compared with 93% effectiveness against the Alpha variant, the variant first detected in the UK and here in the US. But it, 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 it provided just 33% protection after one single dose. So, yeah, if you've gotten your first dose, but you haven't gotten your second, please be sure to do so. Wow, and, that is a huge difference. Yeah, and quickly, uh, the difference between 88% protection and 33% protection. Uh, and if you haven't gotten your first dose, by the way, are you nuts or something? In other moderately encouraging news from the administration today, President Biden has begun efforts to, uh, and, 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 and stop me if you've heard this one before, begun efforts to close the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. <laughs> okay, stop. I've heard this one. Oh, you have heard this one? Yeah. Before. yeah. Well, uh, he's begun the effort uh, to do so ahead of the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on uh, September 11, 2001. People familiar with the discussions over the future of the facility told NBC that Biden is hoping to close it by the end of his first term, with aims to move at least some of the remaining 40 detainees to foreign countries. From there, the administration is reportedly hoping to convince Congress to permit the transfer of the remaining date detainees to facilities on the U.S. mainland. Now, yes, I'm sure many listeners remember Barack Obama's promise and then his failure to do the same. Actually, uh, that was not necessarily his failure because he did issue an executive order to close the shameful, extrajudicial, extraconstitutional prison. But it was then blocked by legislation in Congress, supported at the time, shamefully, by Democrats. We will see if they at least avoid that same shame again some 12 years or so later. Last month, the Biden administration approved three detainees at Guantanamo Bay for release to the secure custody of other countries, including the oldest of the remaining wartime prisoners, uh, as The New York Times reported. When President Obama took office, hundreds of people remained detained at the facility, which was first opened in 2002 by former President George W. Bush. While he was uh, while Obama was blocked from closing the facility uh, during his tenure, he drastically reduced the number of detainees at Gitmo from 245 down to 41, which is kind of where we're stuck at this point. Donald Trump later signed an executive order to keep the facility open, even though, yes, it was already open. It was already set to stay open under federal legislation. But then. Trump effectively ended the process for reviewing cases and releasing detainees from imprisonment if it was deemed to be no longer necessary, as was the case for many of the detainees who were never actually guilty or even tried for anything. Only one single detainee was transferred to a foreign country during Trump's four years in office. Of course, all of those Actions on vaccines, on Gitmo, those are executive actions and, as noted, moderately encouraging executive actions by this administration. But when it comes to real actions with lasting effects on the entire nation, well, that requires more than executive actions. That actually requires Congress to take action, specifically the Senate, and that 
yet again, yes, runs smack dab into the virtually inexplicable whims of one King Joe Manchin of the realm of West Virginia. Don't worry, however, Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has a plan. Oh, dear. Don't look at me that way, Des. <laughs> I know he's got a plan. So, you know, I, I mean, I can hear confidence growing out there already amongst <laughs> listeners. Nothing is more uh, uh, encouraging than hearing Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has a plan. Uh, anyway, that plan to win over Joe Manchin got underway on Tuesday in the U.S. Senate, and it will continue all month, apparently, reportedly, we are told. Even if it's somewhat kind of reminds me of the old saying, uh, Desi, that that you use a lot. Uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> oh, boy. That kind of sort of feels like Chuck Schumer's plan here. Uh, I'll explain it in a, in a moment. His plan to somehow win over King Mansion is straight ahead, along with some insight into what might actually work to move the West Virginia Democrat with someone who knows him very well and has been frustrated with Manchin much longer than any of us have, I suspect. All of that is straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Oh, let's hope it couldn't last. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Just hours after Republican Senate Minority Leader, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, just to be clear, Mitch McConnell, just hours after he blasted Joe Biden and declared, quote, the era of bipartisanship is over. Maybe I missed when McConnell's era of bipartisanship began. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, his Senate GOP caucus filibustered a Democratic bill that would have helped close the gender pay gap and ensure women are paid as much as men. There's an idea, though apparently one that even the few Republican women in the U.S. Senate would not even allow to come up for a debate and a simple majority vote. The Paycheck Fairness Act failed to overcome the GOP filibuster in, uh, in, by a 49 to 50 vote, with all Republicans voting against it and New York's Democratic Senator Kirsten Gillibrand out of town and unable to vote. Had she been there, presumably it would have been a 50-50 vote. However, <clears throat> 60 votes are needed to end a filibuster in order to move the legislation onto debate. Republicans would not even allow that. The measure already passed the House in April with a 217 to 210 vote along party lines. The bill, as Axios notes, would, quote, provide more effective remedies to victims of discrimination in the payment of wages on the basis of sex. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin... Democrat from West Virginia who has been pummeled for uh, refusing to support killing the filibuster while insisting all 
legislation somehow must be bipartisan and saying some of his, quote, Republican friends agree with him, though none were willing to actually, you know, vote with him. He issued a statement saying after the vote that he was, quote, disappointed. Were you? Were you, Joe? Were you really? It was, as Kate Riga describes today at TPM, the first episode of Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's summer floor vote series meant to highlight Republican obstruction and frustrate the Democratic holdouts on the filibuster. The Paycheck Fairness Act might have had special resonance for Joe Manchin, who was one of the bill's original co-sponsors and is a primary target of these kabuki theater floor votes we're going to be seeing for the next few weeks. But Manchin's emotional state after watching Republicans block this legislation yet again, because they've done so multiple times in the past, seemed short of the anger the Democrats are hoping to stir to finally convince Manchin to dismantle the filibuster. He told reporters, uh, quote, as an original co-sponsor of this bill, I am disappointed that the Senate was unable to pass this much needed legislation, but I will continue the fight for equal pay across the United States. Schumer's plan seems to be heaping up the pain by accumulation, reports Riga. Schumer announced that throughout June, he will bring to the floor legislation related to gun control and LGBTQ rights, as well as the headline S-1 voting rights package, that's the For the People Act, which Manchin recently declared he opposes against all 49 of his Democratic Senate colleagues who co-sponsored the act. And yes, it is all all of it likely to fail in the face of Republican filibusters all month long. Meanwhile, with Manchin's refusal to reform, much less eliminate the filibuster, uh, as he reiterated as recently as last Wednesday, uh, last weekend, the uh, the future of the term seems grim at this point for Democrats who want to deliver with Joe Biden a new deal-esque slate of legislation. As Biden moves on to negotiate with yet another bipartisan group on infrastructure after giving up on negotiations with West Virginia's Republican Senator Shelley Moore Capito on Tuesday, where Republicans had taken both tax cuts and new taxes off the table in order to pay for any of it, Democrats are now mindful of the one budget reconciliation vehicle that they now have left, according to the Senate parliamentarian. That reconciliation vehicle would allow them to pass an infrastructure bill with a simple majority with no Republicans needed if, of course, Joe Manchin deigns to play along and vote with all of the other Senate Democrats. That is an unknown at this point. Senator Bernie Sanders made clear on Tuesday, as he has said in the past, that he's ready to get moving on reconciliation and will possibly do so by July. He told reporters that the reconciliation bill will include both the American Jobs Plan, that's Biden's physical infrastructure proposal, and the American Families Plan, that's Biden's human infrastructure piece. All of that totally cur- uh, currently totals about $4 trillion dollars. But again, all of this will run smack dab into the West Virginia brick wall known as Joe Manchin. In West Virginia, the American Jobs Plan is actually incredibly popular. New polling across the board 
of Republicans, Democrats and independents uh, show that they support Biden's infrastructure plan. Sixty eight to twenty nine percent. Sixty eight to twenty nine percent in West Virginia, according to polling released just last month. But that pales in comparison to West Virginian support for the For the People Act. So what's the holdup in Manchin coming on board to support both of these measures and the simple majority vote that would be needed to end the filibuster entirely to allow democracy-saving legislation like For the People? Of course, it's the question that we have been asking all week since Manchin's op-ed in a West Virginia paper over the weekend declared he was now officially opposed to For the People and still opposed to amending or eliminating the filibuster. It's the question, of course, that everyone has been asking all week with few, if any, answers as frustrating as that has been. But yes, we are still digging. To that end, let's take a quick break and head to West Virginia, where our friend Robin Kincaid, born and raised in the state to generations of West Virginians, may or may not have some answers for us. That's straight ahead. Well, it's just around the bend and down the holler on a few country roads <laughs> ahead. On the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the broadcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, uh, take me home, uh country roads. I wish uh, someone would take Joe Manchin home to West Virginia and leave him there. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com looking for answers still about Joe Manchin. So let's head to West Virginia. Polling from just last month, according to Newsweek, shows that Republicans, Republicans in West Virginia overwhelmingly support the sweeping election bill known as the For the People Act or H.R. 1 in the House, S. 1 in the Senate. It's already passed in the House. Uh, but it's now being blocked in the Senate by West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin, despite the co-sponsorship of 49 of 50 Senate Democrats. Manchin is the lone holdout for sweeping election and campaign finance reform that would mandate early voting, just as Manchin implemented in his own home state of West Virginia when he served as its secretary of state, by the way. It would implement no excuse absentee voting across the country, all 50 states. It would end partisan gerrymandering and end dark money in campaigns. While Manchin opposes the measure and reform of the Senate filibuster that would be needed to pass it, since no Republican is willing to support any federal election legislation put forward by Democrats that would counteract the voter suppression measures that are quickly being adopted by Republican state lawmakers around the country. 
Uh, despite all of that, the For the People Act is nonetheless wildly popular with voters even in deep red West Virginia, where Donald Trump was certified to have defeated Joe Biden in 2020 by some 38 points. The end Citizens United Let America Vote Action Fund survey found that the bill was extremely popular among all voters in the state, Republicans, Democrats, independents alike. In West Virginia, respondents supported the bill, the For the People Act, by 79 percent, 79 to 15 percent in favor of the For the People Act, which Joe Manchin opposes. The Democratic proposal also enjoys high levels of support among Republicans, specifically despite ongoing efforts from several right-wing dark money groups to have the state senators vote against it because, well, among other things, it gets their dark money out of our elections and it helps prevent billionaires that run those dark money groups from buying elections. That's why, of course, not a single Republican member is supporting the bill, nor will they support it. Uh, you know, that's their money as they see it. That's their way to buy elections. That would be taken away from them with H.R. 1. Last month, the right-wing dark money group Heritage Action said that it will run television ads and activate volunteers in West Virginia in opposition of H.R. 1. That, according to Fox News... Jessica Anderson, the group's executive director, said, quote, we have mobilized our two million grassroots activists across the country to drive calls, letters to the editor and events in Manchin's backyard. Another dark money group, One Nation, announced that it will devote one point eight five million dollars to place TV and radio ads opposing the For the People Act and supporting the filibuster across both West Virginia and Arizona, where that state's Democratic Senator Kirsten Cinema has also said she opposes filibuster reform, even as she has signed on to co-sponsor the For the People Act. In West Virginia, 76% of registered Republican voters support For the People. In Arizona, the bill has support from 78 percent of registered Republicans and 75 percent support from voters who backed Donald Trump in the 2020 election. In Arizona, the bill has support from 78 percent of registered Republicans and 75 percent support from voters who backed Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Nonetheless, the dark money pressure campaign does seem to be working on Manchin, at least according to CNBC on Tuesday. They report the political advocacy group backed by billionaire Charles Koch has been pressuring Joe Manchin to oppose key parts of the Democratic agenda, including filibuster reform and voting rights legislation. That lobbying effort appears to be paying off. Manchin, in a recent op-ed, wrote that he opposed eliminating the filibuster. He would not vote for the For the People Act, which advocates say would limit the influence of big donors on elections. Yes, big donors like Charles Koch. CNBC reviewed an episode of a Koch policy group, Americans for Prosperity, uh, who uh, created a video series along with ads crafted by the organization calling on the group's supporters to target Joe Manchin. Senator Joe Manchin is right to put West Virginians first and vote against bad partisan policies. 
encouraged Senator Manchin to keep his promise to reject a partisan agenda that will hold West Virginians back from reaching their full potential. Absolutely, I'm telling you unequivocally, I'm not voting to pack any court. Will you not vote to break the filibuster? I says, on top of Robert uh, Seabird's grave, I would make a commitment to you. I would never do that. Unnecessary red tape, energy mandates, and big government solutions are wrong for the Mountain State. Tell Senator Manchin, West Virginians depend on you to be the voice of reason in Washington. Paid for by Americans for Prosperity. Yes, well, Americans for Prosperity launched a website titled West Virginia Values, which calls on people to email Manchin to be the voice West Virginia needs in D.C. Reject Washington's partisan agenda. Well, Washington's partisan agenda, apparently, is supported by 79% of West Virginia voters, including 76% of registered Republicans. In a statement to CNBC, a spokesman for Americans for Prosperity did not deny whether its officials have spoken directly to Manchin or his staff about the For the People Act. The representative praised Manchin's stance on the bill. In an emailed statement on Tuesday, he said Senator Manchin has long blazed with his own path. And on this issue, we agree. Extreme partisanship gets in the way of finding positive solutions. Because, you know, if there's anything the Koch Network is known for, it is the positive nonpartisan solutions that help everybody, right? Some weeks ago, we covered the New Yorker's report on a meeting between Koch leaders and representatives from other right-wing groups about how they have tried to stop H.R. 1 from passing, but that some of their own polling shows the campaign finance elements of the legislation is widely supported, especially when voters learn that the measure would, quote, stop billionaires from buying elections. That, apparently, was wildly popular, even with, as a matter of fact, especially with Republicans. Here's some of that audio from the Americans for Prosperity conference call obtained by the watchdog group Documented. As the AFP pollster here, Kyle McKenzie, had the unenviable job of explaining to the right-wing groups that H.R. 1, the For the People Act, was very popular across the board, especially when it came to preventing billionaires like Americans for Prosperity's funders, the Koch Network, from buying elections. When presented with a very neutral description of H.R. 1, people were generally supportive. Um, And the the most worrisome part, which Grover mentioned at the very beginning of his presentation, is that conservatives were actually as supportive as the general public was when they read the neutral description of H.R. 1. Um, you know, there's a large, very large chunk of conservatives who um, um, are supportive of, of, of these types of efforts. Don't get into a fight uh, in H.R. 1 where you, where you engage with the other side, where they have the talking points. H.R. 1 stops billionaires from buying elections. Um, unfortunately, we found that that is a winning message um, for both um, you know, the general public and also conservatives, um, you know, that simple message, but far and away was resonated with people. And, and, you know, when they had to compare that message versus tons of other ones, they were most persuaded by that. And they found that to be most convincing and most, you know, 
riled them up the most. <laughs> Unfortunately, the message that billionaires should not be able to buy elections is very popular. Unfortunately, Heritage Action and other groups also organized a rally in March in West Virginia that was meant to pressure Manchin to oppose similar legislation to the For the People Act, according to the watchdog group Documented.net. But, you know, since the beginning of the week, uh, if not much longer, uh, but certainly since Manchin wrote his op-ed declaring his opposition to the For the People Act, because, as he said, no Republicans supported it and reiterating his vow in that op-ed to not reform or eliminate the filibuster. Since then, we've been trying to figure out, well, what is going on with Manchin and what, if anything, can be done about it as his intransigence has now threatened the entire Biden and Democratic Party agenda in the Senate. We haven't had much luck figuring it out. So uh, is it the pressure campaign from the right? Is Manchin being bought off? Why would he oppose reforms that are wildly popular in his own home state? Joining us now to hopefully shed some light on this mystery is a longtime friend who has been watching, following, dealing with Joe Manchin for years now. Robin Kincaid, formerly known as Bob Kincaid, is co-founder of the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign. She's president of Coal River Mountain Watch, host and creator of the Head On Radio Network, and a longtime indefatigable leader in the fight against mountaintop removal coal mining in West Virginia. Great to have you back on the broadcast, my friend. Oh, it's wonderful to talk to you, Brad. <laughs> Uh, Rob and I have been I've been asking listeners and trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Manchin and what, if anything, can be done about him. And, and you know, he now stands to really block the entire Democratic, progressive Democratic agenda. So before we talk about what, if anything, can be done about this, let me ask you, you you've known Manchin for years. You've watched him. What can you tell us about Joe Manchin from your perspective in West Virginia that the rest of the nation probably does not understand or appreciate? A long, long time ago, Brad, uh, a, a, an older gentleman told me uh, who followed, had followed the Manchin family because it's not just Joe. It, it, the, the Manchins go way back. Uh -huh. He had an uncle, a James Manchin, and he explained to me one time. He said. You have to understand, no Manchin has ever voted for a Democrat whose name wasn't Manchin, okay? <laughs> uh, and what that means is, going all the way back to the bad old days of Arch Moore, Shelley Moore Capito, the other West Virginia senator's uh, corrupt criminal daddy, when he died, he was so crooked they had to screw him into the dirt. Uh, <laughs> the Manchins and the Moores are great pals. The Manchins put together... A, a, a Democratic Moore campaign so he could win the, the governor's office. Then in 1996, when we had a progressive woman as the nominee of the Democratic Party for governor in this state, uh, Joe Manchin helped organize Democrats for Cecil Underwood and once again helped put a Republican uh, in, in the governor's office ahead of a member of his own party. Joe Manchin has a constituency uh, that would be a Venn diagram inside the Venn diagram that's the population of West Virginia, and the Joe Manchin diagram of constituency is people named Manchin, <laughs> primarily Joe Manchin. 
Well, yeah, okay. but yeah, but it, it doesn't understand. It doesn't explain how any of this benefits him when he's in a state where, you know, seventy nine percent of the state is in favor of this legislation that he opposes. How does that help well, he him? Also, he also, he also, because among other things, he is the queen of the May right now, Brad. Everybody's paying attention to him. He is, uh, he is on the as. Uh, you know, as has been pointed out, he is on the lips of every political observer in the country, and he is, I assure you, basking in it. Hmm. You know, I covered all of that stuff about the, the, the right-wing Coke network because I've seen a lot of folks, you know, suggesting, oh, he, he must be bought off by someone that, or, or that someone has something on him. There is that big pressure campaign on him and, and on other so-called conservative uh, uh, Democrats. Is there any truth to it that he's somehow bought off, that the Coke network has made him some sort of promise, has uh, given him uh, money? Uh, is there anything well, to that? Been, uh, Brad, he's been a darling you know, of, of ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, the, mm-hmm. uh, the right-wing front group that writes right-wing legislation, and, and, and uh, whether it be state legislatures or the Congress, Repu- mostly Republican members, uh, just rubber stamp it and submit it as their own work mm-hmm. in, in the form of bills. So he's been he's been with them for years. This is this isn't uh, this this isn't really. Well, I think what you're describing as the pressure campaign from Americans for Prosperity right. is just it's a front for the fact that he has been uh, he's he's been a Coke protege, mm-hmm. shall we say, in 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 the Democratic Party, uh, which is kind of a rarity. Uh, I think it's safe to say for decades. So what is he trying to achieve here? Is this just a matter of staying in office, staying in power, being, uh, you know, able to run? And, and, and I guess we could talk about wh- why he would even want to run as a Democrat. I mean, your corrupt governor, Jim Justice, uh, ran as a Democrat to become governor. And I think, wasn't it like the, the day after he was elected that he declared he was going to be a Republican? Why, why does... It felt like that. Uh, why, but you have, but you have yeah. to remember, guess, guess why make West Virginia great big old Governor Jim Justice, became a Democrat. Guess who talked him into that, Brad? <laughs> well, but, so what's the point? Why doesn't he just, you know, flip to become a Republican? I'm not, uh, I oh, hope he doesn't. This is the easy one. Yeah. This is the easy one. If Joe Manchin were to flip and become a Republican, Joe Manchin would just be another obstructionist, right-wing, nightmare Republican. Uh. This way... He is, again, in the spotlight, and he wields tremendous power. Mm. Uh, you know, theoretically, he could, you know, theoretically, he could join the Republican Party, but they don't have anything to offer him, mm. okay? Right now, he is the chair of Senate Natural Resources. Mm-hmm. He would, what, there maybe give, would they give him budget or something like that? I don't, I don't think other Republicans would appreciate being replaced. Mm. So... In his current position, he's in the catbird seat. Mm. He has veto power over uh, over the Biden agenda. He has veto power over the lives of 350 million Americans. And it was, and it's a function of how of the dysfunction of the Senate. You know, we were ruled uh, for four years by you know Nitwit Nero, of course, but also we were ruled by. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, and that was 1.4 million Kentuckians giving Mitch McConnell the power over the rest of us. 
Now an even smaller number of West Virginians have given Joe Manchin the power over the entire country. I said on the program the other night that what we need, you know, this pressure campaign from Americans for Prosperity, uh-huh. uh, we, need, we need billboards all across the country with Joe Manchin's picture on it that say, when, you, when, when your vote is suppressed in a Republican state, don't blame the Republicans. Blame this guy. Mm. Well, because he's the one who's empowering it. Uh-huh. Well, okay, so he's empowering this. He wants that power. He's got that power. He's got that attention. Above and beyond that, is there something that he wants? In other words, can he be bought off at this point by Democrats, by the Biden administration, who could send, you know, if he plays ball, they could send hundreds of billions of dollars if they wanted to West Virginia. He would be a hero to the state. Is there a way to buy this guy off in that regard? Is that what he's angling for? I would. Everything is transactional with Joe, okay? You have to remember, mm-hmm. in his civilian life, he was a coal broker, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's a, you know, that, that's, a, that's a transactional business, to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Kind of skeevy. So, you know, his daughter is recently retired as the CEO of Mylan Pharmaceuticals, which now has another name, and she is fabulously wealthy. And building wealth is a key tenet of the, of, of the, of the mansion brand. By the way, that, that, got, that pharmaceutical company, isn't that the one that raised the price on the EpiPen by 100, yes. 100 times or something? Okay, yeah, so that's yes. Joe Manchin's yes. daughter. Got it. Right, right. Uh, and he's got, he's got a son. And, and like I said, he comes from a political dynasty in the northern part of the state, Marion County, West Virginia, and dynasties want to perpetuate themselves. So he is trying. I suspect he's trying to set up down the road something to make sure that another mansion is there to mm. continue to to, to uh, keep a stranglehold on West Virginia's politics. So can he be bought off? Still the same question. Is there a way to? I've been uh, he, asking. Yeah. yeah, I've been asking. I've been asking that question on my program for months now, suggesting, you know, I don't know, a billion dollar contract to his daughter's former company <laughs> to develop vaccines or something, and giving him uh, Robert Byrd like amounts of money mm-hmm. uh, to to uh, build infrastructure here in this state. Yeah, because uh, to be fair, Brad. God knows we need it. Yeah, it wouldn't be pork, yeah. right? No, I know, I, and and it seems like I mean, if we're talking about uh, this infrastructure bill, where we're uh, literally trillions of dollars is going to be going out, you could give West Virginia everything that they need, and clearly West Virginia needs a whole lot as the coal industry is dying. I mean, I can only hope that's what he's angling for. He hasn't said that out loud. Uh, a lot of people say, well, that's, you know, he's he's dealing in 12-dimensional chess here. But uh, when you and I spoke the other day, you Ew. said this guy is, <laughs> no, 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 is no, no, not no. that bright. No, no. Uh, look at some of his recent quotes. Uh, he, he, talked, uh, he, he talked about the binds that hold together our democracy. That's not a typographical error. He meant the bonds of our democracy, and he said binds, and he said he will, uh, oh, there was there was another one a couple of weeks ago where he said he will not, uh, uh, I think he meant capitulate, but he used a different word that just drove me as an old English major half. It just, uh, I, was, I was running around the room tearing at my hair. Uh, so that's a reality, and, and he gets hold of an idea, 
and he hangs on to it like a like a junkyard dog with an old bone. Uh, I can tell you as an example for year, years and years when we would um, talk about mountaintop removal, mm-hmm. he would answer by saying we have to have balance. And the, and the word of the day was balance mm. for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now the word is bipartisan. Mm. And, and, and I don't think he fully understands how bipartisan works. Because if he wants bipartisan, if he wants bipartisanship, it's his job to lean in and use coercive power and say, listen, y'all can come along or I can, I can, I can break the filibuster. He's, he, but I don't think he's as willing to play hardball with the Republicans as he is with somebody like Joe Biden and Democrats, because he is more philosophically aligned with the Republicans. Well, you know, uh, if he wants bipartisanship, obviously, I, I shared those numbers from that polling showing that For the People Act is wildly popular across all parties, Republicans, Democrats, independents, 76 percent among Republicans. W- what does the media say in West Virginia about the gap between, you know, Manchin's position and the polling on these issues? Do they bother he's to point a, at this he's out? A, he's as he's as enigmatic to uh, the the, the uh, to media here to the extent that they do put a lot of skull sweat into it as as he is to anyone else because there are so many there are so many inconsistencies uh, for the people act Brett, mm-hmm. uh you know it's co-sponsored by every senator every democratic and independent senator mm-hmm. in that body including the other stick in the mud Kirsten Cinema right so there's that and then there's the fact in the co- in the previous congress in 2019 by God, Joe Manchin was a co-sponsor of the For the People Act, because this isn't the For the People Act's first rodeo. <laughs> so, you know, a listener suggested uh, via email this week, and I suspect, Robin, you may have some uh, thoughts on this, uh, suggested that, you know what, Manchin, enough is enough. He needs to be targeted by a primary opponent. He's not up, uh, which is, you know, he's not up for re-election until 2024 anyway, and I'm not sure that any other Democrat could win in West Virginia at this point, and and something like this might, I don't know, push him to become a Republican, and then the game is really up because Republicans take the majority in the Senate. I don't know if he has a plan to run in 2024 or not, but what of that idea of would pressure from a potential primary opponent make any difference here, any positive difference here? Oh, what a fool's errand that would be. Uh, it's It's been tried. He was primaried in 2018. Uh, his challenger got, oh, 35, 38% of the vote. And he went on to, it, it was it was a narrower election, but he went on to win re-election. And, and the thing that we need to remember is, I dare say I'm probably the most progressive person in this state or one of the most progressive people. Mm-hmm. And I, but, but the other thing I am is a lifelong member of the reality-based community. Mm-hmm. And this state does not have the progressive electorate to get the job done. Mm. We simply don't. And mm. so if, you, if by some miracle, Brett, you were to primary Joe Manchin from the left and your candidate was to win, and I don't mean yours, mm-hmm. uh, then what would happen in the general election is that progressive candidate with all the progressive purity that we demand would be beaten like a barred mule and a and and a right-wing maggot uh, Republican senator would enter the Senate from West Virginia who would be so far to the right 
he would make Joe Manchin look like Bernie Sanders. Mm. So, Robin Kincaid, what then, if anything, can, well, we the people who are not from West Virginia do, much less what can uh, you folks do to change this current trajectory? Is there anything, or are we all just uh, prisoners of Joe Manchin at this point? It's his world, and we just live in it. I, I hope not. Um, Reverend William Barber announced mon- uh, announced that Monday mm-hmm. uh, he will be bringing his Poor People's Campaign uh, to Charleston, the state capital, and will be marching. I intend to join that march. I encourage anyone who can get there to join that march. He says that he and the Poor People's Campaign are going to march on Joe Manchin in Washington, D.C. Swell those ranks, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, make it and. and and, and then, you know, people close to Joe Manchin need to explain to him more in sorrow than in anger that he has been getting bad information, really bad information. He is, his, he is using historically incorrect stuff. He ta- you know, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, uh, he promised on Robert Byrd's grave. Well, Robert Byrd tried to filibuster the, uh, the, the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Mm-hmm. And Robert Byrd was capable, was a brilliant man who was capable of learning, and later said that his attempt to filibuster that act was one of the most awful, most regrettable things that he had ever done in his Senate career, and he repented of it. And someone needs to remind Joe Manchin of that, and needs to explain to him who Senator Bilbo was, and how the filibuster was used as a racist tool, and simply ask him, do you want to, do you want to have your picture along with Senator Bilbo or, or Lester Maddox or George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door? Is that the legacy that Joe Manchin wants? And I suspect it is not. Do, do you sense that his motives, even if they are misguided, that they uh, and 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 self-serving that they are pure here in other words uh that he really doesn't want to break the government as he tends to say is is that true does he he believe that or is there a more insidious motive that that is meant to hide no i think i think there is some earnestness in that brad because uh, remember west virginia relies profoundly on things like medicaid and medicare mm-hmm. and 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 Forms of governmental, uh, federal government assistance for a, for a workforce that has been beaten and bedraggled and and just tormented over the years, and I think, and this is pure speculation on my part, so forgive me, but I think in the back of his mind he can see a future where there's a Senate, uh, a Republican-controlled Senate, with no filibuster, where they can do whatever they wish, and and he knows as well as anybody else what the Republican wish is wish list is in the modern Republican Party of Nitwit Nero, and that, you know, Trump. Yeah. And that is a world without Social Security, a world without, uh, without uh, the, the Affordable Care Act, a world without Medicaid. And, uh, and that, means, that means a West Virginia that, that already as, 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 strug- as, 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 as beaten down as we are, mm-hmm that will be even more so and simply left to perish. So it sounds like it's about the education of Joe Manchin at this point uh, to try to get through to him. It, it really is. You know, uh, you remember how the fact checkers who, when, when Trump came into office, found themselves working overtime, yeah. just fact checking him. Yep and found out it was an exhausting job. Well, there's, there's something similar going on for those of us who, you know, 
over over you know, on my program, some people have taken to referring to me as the Mansion Whisperer. <laughs> uh, but you, you find out it's a full time job just finding out the things that Joe doesn't know. <laughs> Speaking of uh, broken down West Virginia, Robin, before I let you go, uh, you know, we usually speak with you on this show about your ongoing fight against the toxic coal industry in West Virginia. I uh, read recently that even the Republicans in the state now, unlike in the state of Wyoming, which I think is the now the number one coal state at this point, but that West Virginia Republicans may finally be coming at least to terms or taking baby steps uh, to coming to terms with the fact that coal is, yes, quickly dying and they're turning to uh, to more uh, solar options. Uh, you even had the United Mine Workers Union in the state recently. The, the, the president did an appearance, I think, with Manchin, by the way, to say that they would be uh, that that uh, the largest uh, mine workers union in the country, that they'd be open to an infrastructure bill that finds new jobs for miners outside of the coal industry. Is that a fair assessment? Is your state finally beginning to come to terms with and or prepare for the end of coal? If that is the case, it is in it is truly in an embryonic form of its infancy. Okay. Because I can tell you for a fact that while there are a lot of people out there who think that mountaintop removal, for instance, is over, that we're just not doing it anymore, mm-hmm. nothing could be further from the truth. The, bla- the blasting is still taking place. New permits are being applied for. Applied for old permits are being renewed, mm. and because again, you got to remember something like mountaintop removal is extremely lucrative. You can set up a company, get a, a crew of fifteen people, take down five thousand acres in five years, leave a horrible mess, poison the community. There's no liability for doing that, and you take the money. The investors get rich. The banks that do the bond mm. issues get rich. The coal executives get rich, and then the company declares bankruptcy. And so there's still there's still plenty of motive to do it, and it is still being done. It's still being done in West Virginia. It's still be done being done in Virginia, in Kentucky, and in Tennessee. Yeah, and the taxpayers end up uh, holding the bill for all of that, not to mention for all of the uh, sick people. And I guess as uh, coal uh, comes to an end, uh, that's motivating these companies to, uh, never mind all of that uh, careful underground mining, just blow up those mountains, get the coal, and get out before coal is yeah, done. Yeah, that's, that's the cheap and dirty way. And uh, the, the, the silver lining in the cloud in, in this is that, once again, and we have been working on this, the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Campaign, the Ag Campaign, has been working on this for almost, well, for more than 10 years. But mm-hmm. the legislation itself we've been working on for not quite 10. It has been reintroduced, the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Act, the ACE Act, as H.R. 2073 in the House of Representatives. It's there now. It was reintroduced by Representative John Yarmouth, a good and decent member of the House from Louisville, Kentucky, who really does care about Appalachia. Mm-hmm. It's been reintroduced, and it's the only bill, and I'm, I'm so proud of this, it is the only bill that has ever had the power to stop mountaintop removal once and for all. Mm. And so if, if listeners to the broadcast could please, pretty please, <laughs> pick up the phone, go to your keyboards, call, send an email to your members of the House of Representatives, and say, please, 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 co-sponsor H.R. 2073, the ACE Act, because it means the world to West Virginia. That's it, it means the world to Appalachia. It literally means a future for us. 
That's H.R. 2073. You can call your member of Congress at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. I believe you can get more information. Is that uh, Cold River Mountain Watch, crmw.net? That is correct. All right, so you can get more information there, crmw.net. And, of course, you can and should listen to Robin Kincaid on the Head On uh, Radio Network, headon.live, for more uh, wisdom from the great Robin Kincaid. Always great speaking with you, my friend. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you for our for educating us about Joe Manchin. And now I guess we have to get to work on him. Thanks, Robin. Great speaking with you, as always. Oh, thank you, Brad. It's always, always fun. And uh, please give my fondest regards to, to Desi. It is, uh, you guys are wonderful. Uh, we've been talking for 17 years. And it's killing both of us, but we're still doing it. <laughs> thank, thank you, my friend. Always great. Take care, Brad. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay, so yeah, we got to get out. Oh, oh, no. oh uh, you know Robin what? I... Kincaid's uh, sends her regards. Yes, yes, she does. In case Hi, you Robin. missed that, no, I didn't. Okay. Uh, you know, so I just want to say yeah. really quick that I think it is uh, it is shocking and appalling. Of course, Manchin's actions that he would ignore the needs and the popular will of the majority of West Virginians um, and. It seems to me that Manchin's position is basically he won't be the 50th vote on any legislation, but he would be the 60th vote, which is literally no principle whatsoever except upholding the filibuster. Yeah, you vote for what you think is the right legislation. And uh, presumably if if 10 Republicans came on board tomorrow to pass uh, S-1, uh, the For the People Act, suddenly Joe Manchin would then be in favor of it? Yeah, I mean, and if there was a Supreme Court vacancy... I'm not sure how he would vote. It's an incoherent position, but yep. that's Joe Manchin. And I guess, as uh, Robin suggests, it's time to educate him as best we can. Wish us all luck. We're <laughs> going to need it. Only the uh, fate of the free world and the entire planet hangs in the balance. All right. We've got to get out. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us here. It's always appreciated. I know it can be frustrating. My apologies. <laughs> Only have so much to work with. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And this entire kitten caboodle is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to keep us talking on your public airwaves, as Robin says, uh, 17 years now. I know. Uh, it, you drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>